0: Well, this morning, we're going to continue in our study on the Holy Spirit. I thought Matthew did an excellent job last Sunday. If you were not here and you did not hear that, I strongly encourage you to listen to it. Um, Kath said something to me I thought was really profound. We were driving home, actually, when we listened to it from Southern California, and she said, you know, because I've gone and been teaching a lot of places and even recently on the Holy Spirit in some other churches, and she said, while the things that, that are being taught right now in our church on the Holy Spirit are so important and crucial as a um, foundation to understanding some of the deeper things of the Spirit. Um, and what Matt said last week was just, he said it so well and it was so important. So I just want to really encourage you to listen to that if you haven't. Again, this just goes along with, let's be uh, on, on the front footed with our faith of, of you know, just pursuing more ardently, as Kevin exhorted us this morning during communion, um, in this season of God, to be front-footed and be more forward in, in our faith. We're going to look today, and we've been looking at the Spirit of God, we, we looked at the Holy Spirit who empowers us for a number of weeks, Matt taught last week on the Holy Spirit who purifies us, and today we're going to be looking for the first week of a couple of weeks on the Holy Spirit who reveals the Spirit of God who reveals, and I'm going to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit revealing to us for daily guidance, for daily guidance, and um, this is a foundational truth of the faith, but I think I'm going to probably say some things today that will be for you the first time you've ever heard them. Maybe the way that I will say them will cause you to rethink some things that you think I want to begin by just having a quote that I've come across this week by a man named Louis Burkoff, if that uh, could be put up there. There it is. Thank you. And it is this, and I love this quote. It says, in general, it may be said that it is the special task of the Holy Spirit to bring things to completion by acting immediately upon and in the creature. Just as he himself is the person who completes the Trinity, so his work is the completion of God's contact with his creatures and the consummation of the work of God in every sphere. Such an important truth, such a, to me, a really remarkable insight into the work of the third person of the Trinity, that the Spirit's work is to bring completion to the work of God, and to bring consummation in every sphere, but especially as he says it, in and upon the creature, that's us. And the reason that that to me is so crucial as we talk about daily guidance is that we need to remember that the ultimate goal and purpose and work of God's Spirit in your life and in my life is the greater purpose of God. When we think of daily guidance, so often what we think of regarding being led by the Spirit on a daily basis is we think only in only terms of our current, present experience and needs and realities. And of course, while it does include those things, we have to keep this greater ultimate goal of what God is about in us by His Spirit, always before our hearts and our minds. In other words, I want you to think macro, not micro. When you think of daily guidance, think of it in the larger macro sense. Don't reduce it to the smallest sense of your need and your desire and your want to be led on a daily basis. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. The danger of that, although that is part of it, But it is this greater purpose of God to bring things to completion in my life, in your life. And so, as God's Spirit would guide me and would guide you through the day, it isn't a haphazard guiding just to make our path straight for the moment. It is to put us on the path of life. The path that leads to life. The path that is life. And so, a very familiar text like Romans 8.28 All things, we know that all things work together, Paul writes, for we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That very familiar text cannot be understood apart from verses 29 and 30. Turn there with me. Let's look at this text first. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray today for your wisdom and your mind and your heart to be spoken to us as we first of all, are grateful for the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Lord, even this thought of bringing to completion, that that is what he is jealous to do, to bring to completion what we've been called to do, to be not only in this life but eternally. We thank you for that this morning. We thank you, Lord. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would open our, our understanding that you would speak spiritual words to us, that, that, Lord, that we would understand them with our inner man, and that our, our, our lives would be enlarged, and our capacity would be increased in grace, in faith, in, in the measure that we've been called to live out. And so we, we do thank you. and We give you this time in your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read Romans 8, 28, 29 and 30. Now listen to this. Listen to this that Romans 28 is so often a micro a micro thinking in our minds and in our lives. Everything is working together for good. I slam my hand in the door. That's working together for good somehow. Now this is so much bigger. Listen. What he says. Verse 28. And we know that all for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Listen, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, say it with me, he also what? Glorified. So the all things in verse 28 find their meaning in the goal of verse 30s glorified. The all things in verse 28 find their meaning in the goal being accomplished of being glorified in verse 30. Do you get it? In other words, think macro, not micro. Turn with me to chapter 8 again, verse 14. Because this teaches us now that the following of the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives is is the identifying trait. It is the identifying trait of the children of God. Following the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life is the identifying trait of a child of God. It is essential for every believer to understand the leading of the Holy Spirit and to submit to him. Romans 8:14 says this For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the Spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba Father the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. And again, the context is key in this. And the context is in verses 12 through 13 of Romans 8. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh... You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In other words, to be led by the Spirit is to put to death the deeds of the flesh, Paul says. He's not talking about daily guidance in the sense of where do I park my car now? What store should I go to to get the best deal? the context for being led in this chapter that is the identifying trait to be a child of God is that we put to death the deeds of the flesh. So we can begin to understand that what it means to be spirit-led is to be led to deal with sin. Can I say that again? What it means to be spirit-led is to be led to deal with sin. And that is because of the greater purpose of God in my life and in your life. It is my glorification. Are you following what I'm saying here? We trivialize some things sometimes in God because we are so self-centered, because we're so self-consumed, because it's it's easily about us. And in a sense, it is always about us because of God's great love for us. But because of His love for us, He wants you to say He wants to say to us, "Don't make it about you. Make it about more than you. It is the glorification, ultimately, of the conformity to Christ that is the greater goal of God." There's only one other verse in the New Testament that speaks of being led in by the led of the Spirit. Only one more. And that is exactly the same context. And it's Galatians 5, 16 through 18. Let's look at that one. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. Two verses that speak of being led by the Spirit, and they both have exactly the same context. Galatians 5, 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, there it is, you are not under the law, and now the works of the law are evident, and he goes on and he lists them. So we see that, This is the goal of being led by the Spirit of God. It is the goal of leading us, us into conformity to Christ, ultimately to being glorified. And while we are here on the earth, which Matt talked about last Sunday, to be purified, to be washed. This isn't just a subjective sensing as we are led by the Spirit of God, but it is a conscious choice to submit and yield our will and our desires to those of the Holy Spirit. And I'll talk more about that in a moment as well. Last week, Matt read this text. I feel like this text was so important. I'm going to read it again. And such were some of you, speaking of prior lives of sin, But you were washed, past tense. You were sanctified, past tense. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. This is the greater picture, the greater purpose of God is to complete. The Spirit of God wants to complete what's begun in my life and in your life. We are being led by the Holy Spirit toward God's ultimate goal, For us, which is eternity in his presence. It's a remarkable truth. Jude says this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our savior, Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. And we all say, amen. You see, this is the heart of God, brothers and sisters. We need to grow up. We need to mature. We need to grow in our understanding of what God is about and what God is doing and not make it about us all the time. And even when we talk about a subject like this and the importance of being led on a daily basis by the Spirit of God, we need to understand the context and why it's so important. It's because God is leading us, leading us, completing the Spirit of God, completing in us what's begun, bringing us to maturity and to... I'm sorry. I know, that's ridiculous. And it won't stop. And obviously we know that ultimately being led implies following the will of another. A prisoner is led by guards to prison. Sheep are led by a shepherd to pasture. To be led by the Spirit is to follow the guidance of the Spirit as he brings to completion the work of God in my life. And it's, it's initially and in pri, primarily to deal with sin. It's to be submissive to his will. It's making the desires, his desires, the rule of life in my life. As he sanctifies us, sin is put to death in me, in my life, in my body, because my mind is being renewed, because my will is being given to the will of another who loves me and who is powerfully conforming me. So my desires change. My priorities in life change. And I'm no longer governed by my lusts but by the Holy Spirit who lives within me. As Matt said last week, we work with God. We work with God. He does his part, we do our part. Our part is to yield. Our part is to obey. Our part is to believe. Paul says it this way. He says, I'm constrained by my love for Christ. The word can be translated compelled, constrained. They mean two different things. But that word is difficult to translate and it compelled and almost means like is like I'm just moved by my love for Christ. Constrained means I'm kept from by my love for Christ. Either way, the powerful message is it is the love of Christ that work in me. That is the essence of the spirit filled life. That's what it means to be led. So we know the where. And we know the why the Spirit is guiding us. We know where he is leading us. He's leading us to glory, to be glorified. He's leading us to have sin be put to death. We know why he is leading us because this is his completion, the work bringing about the work of completion. But the question I want to address mostly this morning is how? How does the Spirit of God do this? And there are three ways we're going to see. The most common way, the most acceptable way, the way most of us would be for certain comfortable with is that he does this providentially through our obedience to the Word of God. And I thought about that. I think this is a very important point to make is that when we obey God's Word, when we come to know the Word of God more and more and we obey it, then we are led by the Spirit providentially. Because we're simply, we're doing what we know is consistent with God's word, and God is very able to easily lead us through our lives providentially. He doesn't need to say a lot more. He doesn't need to do a lot more overtly, supernaturally. We'll talk about more of that in a moment. But he just simply can lead us because we are obeying and we're following, and he is providentially leading us. One of the more powerful books of the Bible that deals exhaustively and primarily with providence is the book of Esther. And as you've all heard, the word God is not mentioned one time in the book of Esther. It's the story of a woman, a young woman, who ascends to being queen because she felt prompted to do so, and in doing so saved all of her people, from certain death. She was just being prompted out of what she knew to be right. Listen, what she knew to be right and true. So much of my life and your life is simply this. Just doing what we know to be right and true because we have the Word of God as our instruction. And God providentially guides us and leads us. And I can say this to you, you can live your whole life like that, and that is enough. And most, most churches will tell you that's all there is. I'm going to tell you today that is not all there is regarding the guidance of the Spirit. But if that's all there were, that would be enough. Jesus promised his disciples in John 16, 13, that the Spirit would lead them into all truth. And though this promise applied to the apostolic writing of the New Testament, we know it applies to us today as well. So we become people of the Word, we know the Word of God, we study the Word of God, we read the Word of God, we believe the Word of God, and listen, and we obey the Word of God. Young men and young women, no one should have to tell you about sexual purity, What is appropriate and what is inappropriate, the Word of God has already told you. You obey it, and God will bless you, and he will lead you through your life. And that is one of the primary ways that we are led by the Spirit. But a second way, and this is going to be a little more difficult for me to communicate, But I want you to try to understand what I'm going to say because it's so important. A second way the Spirit leads us is through our conscious thoughts that are the result of teaching or instruction from another person even, counsel. And for many of us, this is going to be harder to recognize. And for some people, some believers, even harder to accept because they don't really believe that God will lead us this way. But I'm going to tell you that he does. It's difficult because often we just attribute this to our own thoughts or our own feelings, and we're not really aware that the Spirit of God is leading us. How do you know when you can trust your own thoughts and feelings? When you know this. The more you know the Word of God, the more you are already being led by the Spirit of God providentially through your obedience to the Word. Listen, listen carefully. The more you can trust your thoughts and feelings. And this happens again and again through Scripture where men have thoughts and they act upon them and then later they attribute the thought to have been from God. Turn to 1 Chronicles 28, please, for a moment. 1 Chronicles, Samuel King's Chronicles. First Chronicles 28, verse 11. David's charge to Solomon. First Chronicles 28, 11. Then David gave Solomon his son the plan of the vestibule of the temple and of its houses, its treasuries, its upper rooms, its inner chambers, and the room for the mercy seat. And the plan also, of all that he had, listen, and the plan of all that he had, say it with me, in mind, for the courts of the house of the Lord, all the surrounding chambers, the treasury of the house of God, and the treasuries for de- dedicated gifts, for the division of the priests, of the Levites, and all the work of the service in the house of the Lord, for all the vessels of the, for the service in the house of the Lord, the weight of gold for all the golden vessels for each service. Now it's getting very specific. The weight of silver vessels for each service, the weight of the golden lampstands and their lamps, the weight of gold for each lampstand and its lamps, and the weight of silver for a lampstand and its lamps, according to the use of each lampstand in the service. Amazing detail. The weight of gold for each table for the showbread, the silver for the silver tables, And pure gold for the forks, the basins, the cups, for the golden bowls, and the weight of each, for the silver bowls and the weight of each, for the altar of incense made of refined gold and its weight. Also his plan for the golden chariot of the cherubim that spread their wings and covered the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Listen in verse 19, all this he made clear to me in writing from the hand of the Lord. All the work to be done according to the plan. See, this is what David had in his mind and in his heart in great detail that he gave to Solomon, and then he said he attributed it to God. Gave this to me. And while he was telling Solomon, Solomon must have been thinking, Dad, you are a control freak. And David said, no son. This is in my heart because God put it there. God put it there. In Second Peter 121, Peter tells us the prophets were carried, quote, carried by the Spirit, carried by By the Spirit as they spoke their prophecies. Some translations say moved by the Spirit. The word means to be carried like by a gust of wind as a ship carries you across the sea. Or it means to carry a burden. It's the conscious leading of the Holy Spirit. But at times it's difficult to discern, to know whether it's God or us because it's it's Simply that what something is being, it's being impressed upon us like a burden that we are carrying that is a sense from God. It's in our hearts, it's in our minds, it's initiated by God, but it's hard to discern it at times, to know. After the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, I'm not going to have time to turn to it, it says that, that those that were there knew their final decision was the decision of the Holy Spirit. These men of God are together, they're discussing, they're talking about difficult uh, challenges that are facing the early young church. And they had to make some hard decisions and had to come to some hard conclusions how they're going to deal with certain things now regarding the Gentiles. And after they've come to their conclusions, after they've made their decision, and after they've given Paul and Barnabas now their marching orders to take with them, then they said, we know that this was the Holy Spirit. But in the text, there's no sign that thus saith the Lord took place. How did they know? It was being impressed upon them. Men of God. Men of God whose desire was to do the will of God were being impressed upon by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So we need to begin to believe and know that God does this and to dial into the Spirit this way. The principle is simply this that when needed, the Spirit of God directs our thoughts. In under And in our understanding in such a way that we as believers become conscious that it is the Holy Spirit doing so. I have to tell you i I am led by the Spirit of God many times like this. One of the most powerful times for me was when I was in Canada, and you know the story of praying for a good friend of mine's wife who was dying literally on death's door from a liver disease, and she needed a transplant. And the Lord impressed on me to fly up there. I was driving home from Lake Tahoe with Kath after vacation, and I got a call from him. And he was just crying, literally saying, you know, please pray. And I I looked at Kath, and I said, I feel like I need to go there. I got home. I found a flight. I flew up there the next day. I get off the plane. He meets me. He's literally broken, weeping. We go to the hospital. She's dying. There's no transplant that they could find. No liver available. Finally, one comes available. And we begin to pray for her through the night. And the Lord impressed on me Psalm 18. I'm with him. I'm with her son and another one of their kids in a small hospital room. She's in another room now. And I felt the Lord say to me, pray Psalm 18. Pray it, pray it, pray it. I called Kath. I said, get the church to pray. You guys remember this? Psalm 18. It was just the Spirit of God impressing. It was a a war prayer for a woman's life. I've had other times when I just know the Spirit. I've walked into the house. I said, babe, I feel like God has told me this. I don't know. It Often it's preparing us. He's just preparing us. But I've learned to trust those things. I'm not saying that I hear 100%. None of us do. But I'm, I've learned to trust certain impressions that I know that are more than my own thoughts. Where I just know in my heart. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I'm trying to tell you today to begin to trust that that's God if you're walking with God. Now, if you're not walking with God, if you're living in sin, if your heart is far from God, you can't trust any of those things. But not that we are perfect, but if our heart is given to obedience to the Lord, more and more, you know you can trust those things. He speaks through other men, through other women. This happens to me all the time as I prepare to teach, as I'm trying to make important decisions for my life or for the church, as a father, as a leader. I expect the Lord to give me clear direction when it is a time of need for the church, for my family, for my life, or whatever else I'm involved in. I expect that He will speak, and He does. So not only does he lead us providentially simply because we are living in obedience, but he will speak to us in other ways through people, through counsel, through teaching of the word of God, through a word from a friend. Just one word sometimes is all it is. It's a word that quickens. Have you ever had that? A word is said to you and it quickens something and you go, I think that's God. What are you trying to say to me, Lord? And you push into it more and you begin to understand it. But a third way, and this is probably the most difficult for many of us and would be the rarest, is that he, he communicates commands from God. The Spirit of God communicates clearly with specific commands from God. It's more than just a sense or a prompting. It can come in the form of a dream or a vision or in some rare cases even audibly. I've never had that but I know that others have. And this is probably the hardest for 21st century evangelicals to accept. And many of my Reformed friends would say I'm crazy for even telling you that this is possible. But I am Christ-centered, and I am Reformed in my theology, and I'm telling you that I know the Spirit of God still does this. And it could be possible that this would become more and more necessary in the days to come that God will find it more and more necessary to lead us in this way in the days to come. Jesus was led by the Spirit, it says in, in Luke 4.1. He was led by the Spirit into the, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Mark says that he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. The word can be translated launched. Have you ever been launched by the Spirit to do something? It had to be such a clear sense from God that you were driven by the Holy Spirit. That is a means by which God will lead us. Philip was led to go to the Ethiopian's chariot in Acts 8. The Spirit gave a specific. Now, the book of Acts is filled with examples of this. The Spirit gave Philip explicit, specific, detailed command that Philip had to obey. Go and speak to that man. He is waiting to hear from you. How did Philip hear? Did he hear an audible voice? Or was he just launched through a strong impression? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. The Holy Spirit at a prayer meeting in Acts 13 said, it says, this is what the Word of God says, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. The Holy Spirit said. Now when I read that, I can interpret the word said in many ways. Did he speak audibly? Did he, was it prophetic? a prophetic word? Or was it just a strong, strong impression and afterwards Luke wrote, the Spirit said? We don't know, do we? But because it was a room full of prophets, we do know that. The likelihood is that it was a prophetic word. The Holy Spirit said. Then there's a time in Paul's mission where he's he's out on his apostolic journey and he's interrupted by... The Holy Spirit, there was an unexpected prohibition to go to a certain place and the Spirit spoke to him. He says, I was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And then it says the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to speak the word in Bithynia. How did the Spirit speak to Paul not to go there? I don't know. But it's more than a providential leading, right? And it seems to be more than just a, gee, I think, impression. It has a stronger sense to it. The Spirit can clearly give commands, direct commands when necessary. I've heard many stories in our, cont- in our 21st century context of people, especially in other countries around the world, who are led by the Spirit in this way. We've talked about this before. The apostolic leader in Cambodia, whom we knew who came to our church for ministry, who was led out of the Khmer Rouge's uh, slaughter one evening, one night, supernaturally by angels leading them being killed by the Khmer Rouge. Another friend of ours in South Africa who traveled into mainland Africa and stood before a firing squad to be shot by a firing squad, and the Lord spoke to him and said, you will not die, and it misfired. I mean, these things happen. And, and they happen in places where they need to happen. Right? They're happening in places where they need to happen. The Spirit of God speaking and leading. We see this clearly from from the book of Acts again when the Spirit of God dramatically instructs Peter to go to Caesarea to visit the Gentile Cornelius in Acts 10. Because of Peter's strong resistance, strong resistance and strong conviction not to go to the Gentiles, the Spirit had to speak to him very clearly. But interestingly, the Holy Spirit doesn't always speak to Peter that way through the book of Acts. In some cases, Peter received his guidance to go into Samaria, for example, by simply being appointed by those in authority to do so. In Acts 9, he went to Lydda as part of a prepared tour of many of them going. He went to Joppa because of an urgent appeal from Christians there in Acts 9. So he wasn't always led directly by the Spirit, but in Acts 10, he had to be led very clearly by the Holy Spirit to do what needed to be done in that moment. Caesarea took a vision. Caesarea took the literal audible voice of the Spirit and a human request. Three things to get Peter to go there. You can read about it in Acts 10. So the principle is very simply this. Listen, this is very simple. The Spirit of God will take whatever steps are necessary to lead us in certain situations. Sometimes it's simple obedience and the providence of simple obedience. Sometimes it's a strong impression. It's it's instruction by the Spirit of God through from someone else or upon us somehow, and sometimes it's direct command. What can we learn from all of this as we come in for a landing? First of all, I'll repeat what I said in the beginning. We have to always remember the purpose of the Spirit's guidance in our life. Listen to this statement, please. To to reduce it to only knowing the details... From our life's convenience or success is little more than fortune-telling and superstition. To reduce the spirits leading us and guiding us in our understanding to only knowing details for our life's convenience or success is little more than fortune-telling or superstition. And most, sadly, this is maybe generalization too much, most believers, that's kind of where they dwell. I want to know the details for my life so I can be fill in the blank. Now, I'll say again, God does care about those things. They're not unimportant. If you want to go buy a new car, you should pray about it. Nothing in the word of God that would tell you not to buy a new car. But if you pray about it and you ask the Lord for guidance, he's going to guide you for what's best for you providentially based on what? What you can afford. Whether or not you're going to be in debt beyond your means. Whether or not the car is truly necessary in light of other things perhaps. And he may say in your heart or through your wife or through your husband, no, providentially. But because you cared enough to ask him, because you know the bigger picture isn't just your happiness, the bigger picture is not just your convenience or wanting to know the details of my life, the bigger picture is God bringing me into conformity with Christ. And everything working toward that, even the car that I buy and where I live and so on and so on, they take on new meaning. Amen. So the goal is our glorification and the Spirit of God is committed to our conformity and to bring to completion us into conformity with Christ above all. Second thing, the first thing we need to remember is the greater purpose. The second thing is because so often the leading of the Spirit is subjective, it with even in our own thoughts or our own con, con conclusions, and it, and often they are personal; they are just for me. It should be confirmed if possible, and they will never violate God's revealed will through His Word. When we and I'm I'm running in; I'm taking a chance this morning, because I'm actually encouraging you to be subjective at a certain level regarding God's impressions upon us. If you're walking with God. I'm not just saying to you, God only speaks through this alone. But I have to tell you, the Word of God teaches that He does speak as well through impressions upon our hearts and lives. But because that is subjective, it needs to be confirmed. Right? And the first place it is here, if we don't find it here, then we go to a brother or a sister whom we can trust, who knows God, who listens to God, and who loves me and who loves what God's doing in me, and say, please... Would you please confirm? I believe this is what God is saying to me. God's telling me to leave this church. No, He's not. Let's talk about why you're feeling that, and I'll pray for you. You can get confirmed. Your things are confirmed by the Lord. That are subjective. There's a ton of examples. I won't have time to go into that are very much this way. Um, But because it is subjective, the Spirit is enough to say it would require and necessitates confirmation. But a third observation is simply this, is that verbal commands from the Spirit are not the normal Christian experience. But... Increasingly, they may be needed. There is no indication that Paul expected any spirit guidance when he planned his apostolic journeys other than when he and Barnabas were sent in Acts 13. He simply planned his trips. Listen, he planned his trips before the Lord and then he allowed God to make adjustments as he began. There's been many times in my life or I felt the Lord said to me, I'm saying, I say, Lord, which way should I go? I have two choices. And I've, many times I've sensed God say to me, either one is fine, but do it in faith. There are many times in your life that that's true. Every single specific detail may not be the issue. The, the bigger issue is your heart and your faith and your willingness to be obedient. But when necessary, as we already saw, with Peter and with Paul and with others, when necessary, and with Philip, God gave direct commands to do this. So if you're not receiving any special guidance from God, that is not a cause for concern. That's what my point is in that. It may be necessary in certain instances and in Possibly in the future, it'd be more necessary for us in America than it is now. But if you're not hearing things from God and not sensing God's guidance in a very specific way strongly all the time, that's not a need for concern. But rather, it could be a compliment that you're being able to be led by God providentially simply through your obedience. Does that make sense? I don't have a great need every single moment of the day saying, God, what should I do now? Where should I go then? What should... No, it's like I just live my life in obedience to God's word and I trust that God will guide me as necessary whenever he needs to. Catch a plane tomorrow and fly to Canada because I need you to be there with this man and his wife. I want you to go here today because I need you to accomplish this. I want you to go speak to that person. And I'm not hearing audible voices. I'm sensing it. But it's the Lord. I tell my wife, Kath, I believe God is saying this. I believe the Lord is saying this to us. I believe we need to know this. I believe we need to be prepared for this. And then I go on. And I let God confirm it. So there is very little, of any, controversy today over the fact that the Spirit of God leads providentially through the Word of God. Most churches, and obviously all churches, would believe that. We know that he makes believers' paths straight. We know that he works within to bring about sanctification. He illuminates the Word of God to give us wisdom and spiritual insight. To be led by the Spirit providentially is a matter of faith and obedience to the word of god but we also need to know and believe the spirit of god guides us individually and even experientially and that there is a legitimate reason to know that god will speak directly to us through dreams or visions or perhaps even audibly or through angels in ways to lead us in, at times when are necessary all are part of being led by the Spirit. But the greater truth is what we began with. That it is the work of the Spirit to bring to completion what God has begun. That we would be conformed to the image of Christ. That sin would be put to death. To be Spirit-led is to be a man or a woman that is putting to death the deeds of the body through obedience to Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. I want to pray something, then I'll give it to you, Kev, okay, if you have. Can we just right now for a moment open our hearts to the Holy Spirit afresh anew? I know some of you have never been led by the Spirit in a way beyond just what you know is just through obedience to the Word of God, and that is great. That is fine. There is no, As I said, there's nothing wrong with that. But I want us to be open to the Lord speaking to us as well beyond that, if necessary, because of the days in which we're living. So let's open our hearts for a moment to the Holy Spirit. Lord, we honor you. We, we thank you that you have been sent to bring to completion this work of glorifying us. Sanctifying which will lead to a glorification. We ask, I ask today that we would grow up, Lord, that we would mature in our understanding of what you do and how you do it and why you do it above all else. We repent of, Lord, living with superstitions and with selfish concerns only. And we ask that you would, Father, cause us to be concerned with the greater things that are in your heart. I pray for my brothers and sisters in my own heart that we would hear the voice of the Spirit through the Word of God, through one another, and through whatever other means needed. Lord, where we have not been able to hear, open our ears today in Jesus' name. Where we've been unwilling to hear, help us today by grace to be willing. Where we've been unbelieving, help us, Lord, to be believing. Teach us what it means, Lord. What you desire to reveal to us is the will of God, Father. Thank you, Spirit of God. We thank you. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.